0: This is a special Uncommon Sense podcast for 3 FM with Amy Mullins. The interview you're about to hear is with author Don Watson. I spoke with Don about his article in the monthly called A Pack of Bankers. We discussed the Financial Services Royal Commission and the rise of managerial speak. I'm pleased to announce that I have with me on the phone Don Watson, who is a author of many books, including The Bush, um, A Single Tree, Recollections of a Bleeding Heart, which, of course, you would uh, know, given that Don, in a previous life, was speechwriter to Prime Minister Paul Keating. And uh, he joins me now to talk about a piece he has written in the monthly called A Pack of Bankers. Hi there. Hi, Amy. Hi, thanks for joining us. And um, I I was just saying off air anyone who has horn swoggling in their article is um, really a fabulous person, and um, (coughs) I'm so impressed.
1: You got to watch out for horn swagglers, that's the only thing to learn from that.
0: Indeed, I, I did have to google it um because unfortunately it's not a term I use very often but I will be using it now and if anyone listening is unaware of what the definition of horn swoggle is, it's to get the better of someone by cheating or deception. Um so yeah, yeah the sound as well, the the sound of horn swoggle really does encapsulate that meaning, doesn't it?
1: very much I love the word it it's I think it's american that where, where there were many horn and still are one of them in the White House at the moment, I think
0: that is an excellent point, yes, and uh, this particular pack of horn swagglers uh, may be in, actually bankers um. And this whole article really is about the Royal Commission into Financial Services that's currently running. And of course, we've had uh, three hearings in Melbourne that um, have certainly revealed a lot about what our uh, financial services industry has been up to. And uh, you really highlight... Throughout this article, the major contrast between uh, the first witness that you talk about, Karen Cox, and uh, the witnesses that follow, and the kind of language that they use, um, could you share a bit about what you what struck you the most um, when you were looking at that uh, that witness provide evidence?
1: Well, she was, you know, she was working on behalf of the um, the people who had been hornswoggled Really, um, and she'd been, she seemed as if, I think it was reasonable to assume that she'd been uh, quarantined from the language of banking and the processes of banking or of any sort of major corporate enterprise. So she spoke in plain, unaffected terms. And she didn't talk about cultural issues, um, if you want to call it horn swaggling or whatever else, um, what the banks, what, what, what the bankers at the royal commission spoke of constantly were these cultural. it's a cultural issue so in other words examples of um, um deceitful or immoral behavior don't go to character they go mm-hmm. to cultural issues they go to process um, a breakdown in process they don't go to an attempt to gouge money from consumers Go to to process, it was a fault of the process. We all, what we need to do is go to, we'll go to PwC or EY or someone and they'll work out a better process so that we're not gouging customers anymore. So everybody, by means of the language, really, the language of managerialism and corporate fashion, um, found a way to say, well, it really wasn't crooked behavior. It was just that we went beyond the, uh, the guidelines. We just broke away a little from our values. Whereas the first woman um, just spoke about things as ordinary human beings um, in their daily lives, uh, see them uh, uh, for what they are. um, In this case, what these people in the banking industry have been doing, had they used words, had the regulator even used like swindle and dupe and cheat and scam and gouge, well, they would have woken them. You know, you can't get around words like that. They, they, they're strong verbs and they have real meanings. At the moment you retreat into the practice of managerialism, you retreat into a place that's immune to ordinary measures of character and decency.
0: Yes, exactly, and it does bring up um, one of the points that's really been highlighted in this Royal Commission is that ASIC, um, who tend to more often than not uh, negotiate with corporations in order to reach a, an out-of-court settlement uh, when they have engaged in some kind of wrongdoing, some deception. Um, this kind of practice of of settling is, as um, as has been said, heavily negotiated, and uh, and this kind of Practice really also um, removes that level of responsibility, personal liability as well, um, from the actions that they're taking. Because obviously the repercussions are whatever um, they have themselves negotiated, it's... In any other court situation, um, it's rare that you're going to, or you basically won't be able to, negotiate with a judge as to what your sentence should be. So I can see there that um, not only is the language around this um, practice horribly inadequate and inaccurate, but also then the practices themselves are easily um, reflecting that language. Yeah, it
1: was interesting in that regard, because, I mean, once once the language of the law was the sort of official language, that was the, the sort of the language of authority. And what was interesting watching the QCs interrogating these people was that it was it was the old official language trying to assert itself over the new. And at times it was quite bizarre, and uh, the Royal Commissioner looked you know, a little like he was you know, watching watching some kind of uh, spectacle that he'd never seen before. Because it, Serial language now and, and, and the whole notion of sort of corporate practice is, is now so um, abstracted and ridiculous that really it's very hard to tell the truth in it and, and, and harder to still to tell the truth from a lie. Um, one of the articles I quote in this thing was uh, written some years ago by, by Rose Michael who'd worked at one of the big four banks and and in you know, she said... really ever knowing quite what anyone was doing or what the meaning of communications uh, was, that, that they, were, they were like exchanging things which seemed to be important but in the end seemed to have no consequences. I think an awful lot of work in these places is actually carried out just in the name of process rather than the name of, 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 of actually getting something done and um, She says, you know, never did people work so hard at doing nothing. I think that's Mm -hmm. a rhythm And and, and she concludes, you know, that really, though they talk a lot about outcomes, outcomes have nothing to do with it. But it's it's the process, which is the be-all and end-all of work in these organisations. And I think that's reflected in the inability of these places for all their highfalutin mission statements and and values and value propositions and God knows what... Um, In the end, um, they really don't operate in a kind of human dimension. She called it a matrix. And uh, uh, I think that's probably not too far from the truth.
0: Yes, absolutely. Because... you know I've certainly noticed that uh, this there is a kind of discussion about process and structures and whenever something's wrong it's a structural issue within a system rather than the humans that make up that system and it's quite amazing to think that uh, we could shift any level of blame or intent on a system uh, that is apparently mindless and just moves and uh, conducts uh, huge kind of scams by itself, um, it's obviously not possible. But as you say, Rose Michael um, is quoted in your article and I want to quote her directly because I did highlight it as being something that is quite revealing. You quote her to say that maybe work is not about outcomes but process, job creation, job justification. Perhaps this is not the negative side effect but the quintessence of corporate life. And you then go on to say... This must be a shocking thought. What is management about, if not outcomes? Without outcomes, the whole thing would be a joke. Life would be a joke. What next? Value propositions of no value. Action plans that inhibit action. I mean, it is really quite farcical. It's um, a bit of a circus, really, to think about all of this language that's propping up a kind of way of behaving and a, a way of... Um, operating that that deflects personal responsibility. Do you think that in this Banking Royal Commission we might see any kind of um, return or deflection back onto the individual?
1: No, no I doubt it. <laughs> Sorry, I doubt it. You know, I think it's um, I think that, you know, it, it, it goes with the modern corporation. It probably, you know, if if we see in the longer run uh, the whole you neoliberal know, experiment, you know, begin to collapse, um, uh, then maybe the language which is supported it, at least parts of it, will collapse with it. For instance, you know, the this, the language is in a way part of the ideology of of, of business. You know, it, it comes, it comes at a time when governments step back and let and let the private sector take over most of those responsibilities that formerly had been public. So the public sector found terms like, oh, look, we've got to look after... You know, we've got to be very responsible now. We've taken over government responsibilities. So they came up with things like corporate social responsibility and, and their mission statements and value statements and vision statements and God knows what, which, you know, they took down photos of the Queen and stuck up this stuff. I think what it, what it really... Where, where it comes undone is that, that ultimately business is about business. Uh, business is about the bottom line. So they came up with a notion of the triple bottom line, which was that it's not just about um, profits and dividends. Um, it's about uh, responsibility to the environment or to um, to staff and workers, to the society. But in the end, you can't have both. It's a kind of, it's a kind of juvenile fantasy to think that you can maximise your profits um, without screwing your workers and your staff or or without compromising your environment. Um, some of the examples of this internationally are, are, are truly hilarious you know so you have weapons manufacturers talking about their dedication to peace, um, manufacturers of of, of um, missiles using using reprocessed uranium talking about their commitment to the environment um, and so on. it all is a kind of fallacy um and and beyond that there's a there's a sort of a this abstraction in the language in a way reflects a, 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 their abstraction from the real world um and that's where i think we we end up in in strife and every now and again you know the boil bursts with the banking world commission but will settle down, and the same thing will happen again somewhere else, and it's probably happening already. Um, you know, it's in the nineteen uh, early nineteen nineties, the banks were out of control, and almost some of some of the big four almost fell fell out of forever. Two thousand and eight was another great burst of the bubble, and and now we have something like this. I don't see how you get it out of the out of the system without some kind of cataclysm that we probably don't
0: want. Yes, well, I was going to ask there, given that neoliberalism is so um, insidious, it's really everywhere, it's not even confined to banking or the corporate sector or big business, it is, you know, really present throughout many of our sectors and parts of our lives, how do we possibly i mean do you think this kind of language has not only the managerialism and the the way that we even perceive our own lives do you think that that kind of corporatization has permeated into other elements
1: oh absolutely i think it's gone you know it's in kindergartens it's 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 it is it is a sort of um it is a a sort of ruling ideology of modern life um in many ways, at least in modern working life. Um, you'll find the same sort of outcomes-based notions and processes and all the rest through education departments and 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 places, you know, and libraries and, you know, the last remaining public organisations are, are riddled with it, including the, the public service. Um, but not to any great effect. You know, you'll find Centrelink talking about it being an engine room of innovation. You'll talk, you know, they'll say how, you know, our values driven by our goals are the other way around of creating this marvellous organisation. You think, well, come on, come on, it's an unemployment agency here. Um, it, you, you can hang on the phone there for an hour and a half. We're getting the same music. It, it's a, um, look, it's not to say that neoliberalism has, you know, I remember when, you know, we were drinking Pablo and instant, and uh, reading scones. Actually, it wasn't all that bad. And you think about, it. But, you know, I quite like, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the, the comforts of modern middle class life. But it's got a lot wrong with it as well. And I don't think one of the things that's really improved is the general morality of of, of business and government. I think it's also probably had the effect of leaving government looking like a rather damp squib. You know, I I, I don't think politicians have ever been held in lower regard and and, and with better reason. Um, Because government has given up so much. Um, It's lost a certain amount of moral authority and it's certainly lost a lot of appeal to um, intelligent people who might otherwise have gone into it.
0: Well, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Um, certainly, it's really obvious at the moment with people like uh, one of our former Deputy Prime Ministers, Barnaby Joyce, um, heading out and giving interviews on commercial TV for money. It's just another example of that kind of ethical um, quandary, which is that in politics, who is checking the politicians and who is... Um, you know, keeping an eye on government because if they're not, uh, you know, maintaining moral standards, how on earth can they expect others to?
1: Yeah, well, I think that's right. I mean, I, I um, oh, look, you know, I won't mention Barnaby Joyce, but uh, if we can avoid it, we already have. <laughs> um,
0: it's just such a great no. example, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, it is absolutely.
1: Look, I think it. I, I think there's just a feeling something has happened to the commons and something has happened to the sense of of uh, of public spirit um, i i believe and and the, the sort of national aspiration seems to me to have sort of dwindled away to you know they've even gone you know beneath the john howard version which was you know a, a world's greatest um, shareholder democracy you know is now down to something like it just comes back to jobs and growth, or something. Mm. You know, it's, it's very. Look, it. It's, um, the problem is, I think we don't know what to replace the the, the sort of doctrinal um, purity of the last twenty five years with. It. Um, we know it's not working anymore. That, um, for the most part. We know it's not doing anything for wages, and we're sick of, uh, I think, feeling ripped off every step we take, where we go out the door in the morning and, and there's these great, you know, we're being sucked of, of money when we drive on the road and when we reach the airport, or when we, um, we do virtually anything It's all been monetized to some extent. I think people are a bit sick of that. Mm.
0: Um,
1: and and uh, We're living on debt. I think we all know that. But I don't think anyone's come up with a, a suggestion for what might replace it. No. Um, I don't have any serious suggestions except sort of spooling back. Look, I think the other thing is, Amy, that the, the one of the, you know, I, I think in some ways the, what is it, what, this kind of notion destroys his provenance, is provenance is a sort of deep connection with um with our past with any sort of critical understanding of our history or even an uncritical understanding of it or of what is a value you know i it sort of it, it pushes me towards you know becoming a high tory of some kind you know on certain days i am a high tory You know, i think My God, I'm a low born High Tory, but but I think, my God, every. What people used to value very deeply as part of their um, heritage, um, what people could be assumed to understand about things, including questions of character um, and um, genuineness, uh, has sort of faded. I may be speaking of someone who writes books and finds it increasingly hard to sell them because the market has probably been cut in half in the last 10 or 12 years. Um, people just don't do it anymore. There are more reasons than neoliberalism for this, but that's certainly one of them. And I think actually when you look at these CEOs, I don't want to be impolite towards them, but you're not looking at people who you would necessarily employ for their knowledge of, uh, of family values. If you like to call it that, or of you know, for their for their appreciation of art or music or of literature, you don't really think you're looking at anyone who's done anything outside an MBA.
0: Mm.
1: You don't feel like the people of of great sort of um, cultural weight.
0: Yes, what yes. What you
1: do feel like is that they're actually you know uh, uh, spokespeople for their brand, um, and that's all that matters to them. It's filthy money, filthy money, I mean.
0: It is, Don. Um, Don, I wish we could keep talking, but I know you have to go, so I want to make sure you've got enough time to head to your next appointment. But thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's a pleasure, Amy. Thank you. That was the wonderful Don Watson, who was uh, obviously former speech writer to Paul Keating and an author, fantastic author in his own right, who's written many wonderful books that you can look up. And as we said, you should buy them. Um, You can see that he's written uh, many quarterly essays. And of course, The Bush um, is a standout book recently and uh, a single tree. So, and if you're interested in a lot of what Don's been speaking about in terms of uh, managerial speak you can look at his book bendable learnings and also weasel words Um, so yeah what a wonderful um, way to start the morning with some true philosophical contemplation